NetCredit is here to say yes to a personal loan or line of credit when other lenders say no. Apply in minutes and get a decision as soon as the same day. Loans offered by NetCredit or lending partner banks and serviced by NetCredit. Application subject to review and approval. Learn more at netcredit.com slash partner. NetCredit. Credit to the people. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. Auto Trader. And they're like, wait, Ahmed Freed might say the phone word again, so we got to tune in here. <laughs> if anything is going to get him to do it, it's his Eagles performance today. Um, <laughs> I said the F word and then actually said the word. I don't know why. I just didn't say it full-fledged That's the whole what time. We do. That's a word. word. Oh, yeah. What's up, baby? It's Chris Sims Unbutton. We are here. It's Connor Rogers time. That's right. That swearing, cussing fool Ahmed Farid is not here. And as you know, you're going to listen to this podcast. You're going to hear the F word. I mean, that's just part of the podcast. You're just not used to hearing it from Ahmed Farid. We'll see if Connor Rogers throws out a few today. He's usually professional. I don't know if I've actually heard him swear on this podcast either, but I will say he does swear in real life, unlike Ahmed. So, Maybe we can get that out of him. What's up, man? Good to see you. Good to see you. He's not suspended. Just want to make that clear. He didn't get in trouble for swearing for the first time. He's just a busy man. He can't get suspended for swearing on this podcast. No, you can't. I mean, yeah, you can't. Yeah, if anybody's going to get suspended around here, it's going to be me. Yeah, we'll see about that. Listen, I'm going to choose mine wisely. Okay, choose so it. We'll yeah, see. make it count when you get in there. Dude, right. I'm pumped for this one. Offensive scheme tiers yeah. today. Yeah, we had a little fun today. We got and not some- just, you know, great. Good, average, bad. That's not the tears. I want to make that clear. Yes, here. that's right. We tried to get a little context with yes. this, and it was a good idea. Honestly, it was uh, you know Pete Demolitis and, and Matt Casey kind of came up with the idea. They hear me talk about offenses so much. We thought it might give a little different angle to kind of unpack last week and and talk about teams going forward. It's good to be on a show and hear positive things about Pete because Pete produces Fantasy Football Happy Hour, the show I'm on five days a week well, once, right? And he has a nickname as the third string oh. producer. Well, yeah, you got to come over to PFT. Florio's got lots of nicknames oh, for man. Pete. Pete when just he comes gets run over, man. Yeah. He's a good sport about it. <laughs> he is but, a good sport. But it's good to hear some positivity from Pete, for yeah, sure. Pete does some good things. He does some other things that aren't so good, but right. that's all right. The we'll giant get... Santa hat? That's, yeah. Yeah, I don't know about that. We'll see. So, anyways, yes. I, I mean, let's jump right into it, you Chris. Go? Yeah, you ready to go? We got a good question to yeah. get right into okay, it before cool. we get to the actual teams. This is from Petway. If you and Connor were offensive coordinators for your favorite team, would you guys be run first or pass first? Which of them is tougher for defensive coordinators to game plan against? Chris, I think so much conversation right now is things like, you know, pass over expectation yes. and then teams that can right. basically control the game and run at you. I, I'm curious what you think of this because yeah. for me, I don't think there's a clear answer no, without knowing hard. your personnel. I think that's the real and the matchup. That, that's that right. would be the honest answer, yeah. right? That's where my mind goes. I mean, like, yeah, if my team has Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill, we're gonna be pass <laughs> yeah. first. I'm sorry, that's just the way it is. But I think in general, if you just gave me like all right, eleven okay football players or whatever, I am I'm old school. I would tend to be a little bit more run-oriented. Yep. I'm not saying it would be 50-50, but it certainly wouldn't be – I wouldn't be 70-30 pass or something like that. It'd be 60-40 pass, 55-45. You know, I just believe in physicality, controlling the line of scrimmage. Yeah. You know, I also think you know the run game, and if you're a little creative and thought, you know, well thought out in that department, it is tough for defenses to, to you know, figure out how to stop that. And then the things you can do off of it, that's what I love. And then, you know, you talk about some of the top 
top-tier offenses in football, right? And I think you've heard me say this before. A lot of them play through the run game. I mean, the 49ers, we know what they're doing. The Ravens, we know what they're doing. The Dolphins, as awesome as they are at throwing, they still stay extremely patient with the run because they want those play actions and everything to create some of the the disadvantages, uh, right? The Chiefs are closer to 50-50 than ever before. You know, the Eagles. So I do think uh, the run game, you know, uh, opens up other avenues as far as play action pass, screens, screens to the wide receivers, and then gives your team an attitude. And, you know, and and if it's a, the and it of course gives you other I think ways of like hey the elements are bad oh well we can run the ball okay oh they have a good pass rush well we can have a run game to slow them down a right. little bit I think it does and then added on top and I know we've had this combo before too in college football right now they don't see pulling block down block down pulling guard oh no now the fullback's coming around the right. edge to kick out too right so this is like for the young front seven players. The, the NFL run game is an adjustment for them, and I think that gives you an advantage as well. And on the counter side of yeah. it, we've talked about this. So many offensive tackles in college aren't even taking true pass sets no, exactly consistently. Right. right. That if you come out there and have a rookie tackle, because a you're ton of them have to play. Down. I mean, asking them to pass protect in this day and age is nearly impossible. Yeah, exactly with the right. Athletes. So I'm with you. I lean more on... Obviously, there's got to be balance, but you need to be able to run the football because if you're a team that just is a drop-back team constantly, you're going to get teed off on. Yes. Like, look at how many quarterbacks right. have gotten hurt, how, yes, many, how athletic sure. the edge rushers have gotten. And like you said, Chris, just the respect you have to generate for the run game creates so much space in the pass game. And exactly. A lot of the teams we're going to talk about today are the masters at yeah. that, quite yeah. frankly. It's why Definitely. they are so dedicated to running the football, almost to the – uh, fan bases, you know, it drives them a little nuts at yeah, times. Sure, but right. there is a thought process there of what it's going to do in the second half of the yeah, game. Yeah, it, it is, so. exactly. The thought process, what it sets up is the big thing. Yes. And all those awesome plays you see the 49ers and Dolphins make, you know, most weeks, not the Dolphins last week. Right, but, we'll get into but, that. But when you, when you see that, a lot of the, oh, there goes Debo around the edge on a reverse. Well, it was a fake run to McCaffrey, right? Oh, there goes Tyreek. Oh, it was a fake run to Modstert, right? I mean, that's so much of what they do and some of the plays that we think are so cool are created because of run game stuff and then the wrinkles off of it. And, uh, yeah, let alone, hey, defense is hurt this week. We, we want to control the ball, you know, keep the right. clocks, keep them fresh. We got a few banged up people. We don't like how we match up against this team. Oh, well, we we can run the ball and chew up some clock. It's another reason that, you know, I'd be a little bit more run-oriented, let alone I grew up with Phil Sims and Bill Parcells and the New York Giants. <laughs> yeah, you're so going to be taught that way. to run the ball. Right. Absolutely. Exactly. And I think another thing to it this year, Chris, that we're seeing feels like more than ever, or at least in recent years, so many backups have to play in this age. Yeah. And when you have a backup quarterback coming in there, it's a little easier to have more of a balanced offense than say, hey, our starter got hurt that makes $40 million a year and we can throw at will – and now a backup's in there. We, you can't play the same way all no, the time. No, you cannot. So. You definitely can't. We're going to get to some teams right. as we go through these tiers and break this down that yeah, we're going to see teams have made that adjustment to protect their backup quarterback and, and keep them still competitive in, in the playoff hunt. So let's jump right into it. You yeah. kind of hinted at both of these teams. The first offensive scheme tier, 
I'm on a new level. You like that? I love that one. A little future for you? Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) 49ers and Dolphins are the teams that fall into this bucket, and we have to start with the 49ers. We've got a great question out of the gate. This is from 49ers701. Hey, Chris, Kyle should be the coach of the year. He's the only coach in the league that when they do well, people say, oh, it's because of Kyle's scheme. Oh, and also nobody is talking about how Kyle's eye bags have gotten significantly better since Purdy became QB1. <laughs> Seriously. Uh, yeah, that, that's uh, that's true. He definitely seems more relaxed and at ease because he's got a quarterback that he knows he can trust and he doesn't have to manage and he doesn't have to worry about, wait, I went over something 17 times this week and – is my quarterback going to screw it up on Sunday? And he doesn't have to worry about any of that anymore. And I am one that, uh, you know, I had to talk about this last week at, at 49 or 701. I, I hope you heard me talk about it on the podcast. I, I think Shanahan is coach of the year. I'm yep. sick of a little bit of the, oh, they exceeded expectations and all that. There's a lot of great people up for this this year, you know, but one, I, I almost look at it a little bit more and go, my, my main thesis, Connor, is I think, Shanahan's the best head coach in football right now, right. and I honestly don't think it's close. Right? I would think I think him and Andy Reid are a little bit of a tier of their own for the results and things they've done over the last five years. Right? I mean, if Shanahan and the 49ers go to the NFC Championship game, it'll be four to five years they have done that. Right? I don't know. You know, we we uh, people always tell me, oh well, it's for the guys that exceed expectations. Man, did did every? I, I mean, we went to the NFC Championship game with a third string quarterback last year. Did they not <laughs> exceed expectations? Why didn't he win it that year? Did they think they were going to go to the Super Bowl the year they did with Jimmy Garoppolo? They came out of nowhere and were one of the best teams in football. The year before, they you know, were 0-10 for the start of the year. So where, that, that, he didn't get it that year. I, just, I feel like it's a year here with what he's doing, what he's doing with Purdy, how dominant they are, and how they look like they are clearly the best team in football right now. I, I don't disagree with uh, my man at 49 or 701. So there are, and I agree with you, yeah. I, I love Kyle Shanahan, Coach of the Year. I think he, another thing he doesn't get enough credit for is how good he is at hiring a defensive staff, sure. it feels like, year after year. Right. The well, way he's had to retool that group. Yes. Because the guys get hired away. Right. Why, Look at why all doesn't he coaches get credit everywhere. For that? Look at all the GMs right. he's got everywhere. It's a pipeline. Right. He's, he's dominating the minority candidate yes. dr- uh, draft pick situation. Yes. So, yes, he, that, that's, that's kind of my point, too, that, that this is why I should go to it. And to your point with the defense, thing and what I've been trying to tell people really over about the last 10-11 weeks is the defense is his it's the defensive coordinators come in there and he goes, this is what I want on right. defense. It doesn't change, right? Now you step in. Wilkes has to learn what they do in San Francisco. Wilkes doesn't get to bring his scheme in. Now I'm sure he's got some ideas and he gets to tweak and, and tinker a little bit. But yeah, to that point, you know, and then the drafting as well. That's all Shanahan as right. well. Now I know he messed up Trey Lance, but I can give you a long list of other ones he didn't mess right. up. And, you know, mid-round guys that are stars and everything like that. So uh, that's why I I stick up, and I know I'm a little biased for my friend there. There's four coaches ahead of him in the coach of the year favorites right now. Yeah. Uh, there are three. I'll give you a hint. Three yeah. are in the AFC. One is in the NFC. Could you guess? So, them? I mean, I'm going to – I'm thinking uh, Shane Steichen's yep. probably one of those, one right? Of you said three are in the AFC? Three are in the AFC. Gosh. Uh, D'Amico Ryan. Yep. Okay. And then Mike McDaniel. Yep. Right? <laughs> Nailed it. Right. Yeah. So, you know, 
two of those three guys are from his staff, yep. of course, which I find hilarious. And then the one in the NFC. It's rapidly trending the wrong way. Well, I mean, that's got to be Dan Campbell, the, yeah. the, the kneecap biter. Yep. Right. Still All the right. favorite, though, yeah. Dan Campbell. Yeah. Right wow. Now. Still the favorite. Yeah. Well, I, I understand that, too. A little bit like you were talking about with Shanahan. I think there's a little bit of, like, what he's done the last two years to also turn that around yeah. goes into this conversation. But, yeah, they're kind of limping here towards the finish line. Hopefully they can uh, get that limp, you know corrected so let's let's talk a little bit about the Niners scheme here because you know you look at Brock Purdy right now I think everybody's trying to figure out what does Brock do or what what limitations does Brock have yeah so what is Brock doing for Shanahan's scheme right now that's making it function at this level that it feels like we have not seen one I mean the playbook is unlimited because of Brock and how smart he is and how he can mm-hmm. digest everything, right? That's why Shanahan likes Matt Ryan and Kirk Cousins yeah. and those type of guys, right? That's why I like Mac Jones coming out in the draft, right? I can give them 70,000 plays and 70,000 rules, and they'll remember it all and execute it like I had talent and I could play quarterback, right? That's how he looks at it. So I think that's the big thing, let alone, you know, and I know the system quarterback thing's a big thing with Brock Purdy. He does make plays outside of the system. It's not Josh Allen or Mahomes. I get that. We know that, right? But there is, you know, better mobility than he gets credit for. So he makes a run or gets outside of the pocket and makes a few completions every game. That's, you know, backyard football-ish. You know, his ability to sometimes see plays or have a feel for what's going to pop open before it even pops open. I think his next level, his anticipation, uh, I think all of that. And then the, the subtle movements in the pocket and his throwing, even though it's not a laser arm it is like absolutely on target like almost all the time to where they don't leave yards on the field if there's somebody open for a 70 yard bomb he hits them in stride and they get a 70 yard bomb they don't have to go back and catch it and fall down for a 38 yard gain and then we kick a field goal they maximize it, right? Oh, here goes, you know, Debo Samuel across the middle. You hit him on the run, it's a 60-yard touchdown. If you make him slow down and stop, ah, it'll be first yeah. and 10 on the 25, and we might settle for a field goal. That's where he is special and takes advantage of all that's there to be had, let alone gives them a little extra, too, with, you know, some backyard-type plays here and there. You and I have talked about how analytics can, can be good and bad. There's ones to value and one to not. Right. One I really like from Pro Football Focus is the big-time throw. It's yeah. basically tracking the spec throws. Purdy right now is 12th in the league with 21 big-time throws. That's tied with Mahomes. Yeah. So this isn't somebody that's out there dinking and dunking. and just, Absolutely not. I mean, there are special throws right. on tape that I like that you brought up Matt Ryan. Do you think that's the closest quarterback that Shanahan's coach compared to what Purdy's doing now? Not as a career uh, path, because yeah, 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 Matt yeah, Ryan's yeah, a special player, but th- in a nutshell, like this year right now, what he is yeah. doing. I think it's the closest, closest to emulate that. Right, because, I, I mean, we go through Jimmy. There's been a no. lot of, like... It's, Definitely I think not. it goes back to Matt Ryan. I think it's Matt Ryan. Wild. You know, a little taste of, I think, you know, why he liked Kirk Cousins, too. Okay, but sure. he didn't get an extended period of time applying and coaching him either. So, but I, yes, I, I think, yes, it has a lot of that feel. And, and to your point, you know, yeah, they're not dink and dunk, right? Now, their ability to run the ball and throw screens to Debo Samuel, who then runs for 50 yards and does all that, that does set up some of these aggressive pass plays because teams are like, what do we stop? It's the greatest run game in football. They throw screens out here really well, right? They got reverses and speed sweeps that we're worried about. Like, oh, no, now it's Debo going across the middle for a 44-yard gain, right? You got to tackle them. You got to tackle them. So there are just so many things that they throw throw at you, and he's really good at taking advantage of those. 
throws. And his throwing downfield and the aggressive explosive plays are definitely an improvement for last year. Last year it was good, but there were still a number of plays that I'd come on here and go, well, this play, like I was just saying, this should have been a touchdown, but it was uh, he was out at the 25 or whatever. There was a lot of that that doesn't happen this year, and that was one of the encouraging things about their three-game loss, their three-game losing streak. I know we made mistakes in some of those games, but the Bengals game, I remember sitting there watching it going, this might be the best I've ever seen Brock Purdy play. I know he had a few turnovers and mistakes, but he made some throws in the game to me that gave me confidence to go, wait, if they don't dominate in the run game and do everything the right way, they're going to still be okay because Purdy can make some plays and decisions where you just go, that's next level. And that's where I do give him a lot of credit. So the other team in this tier, the Dolphins, yeah, right. we had a question from C. Uh, McManu. How different are the Dolphins and 49ers, both schematically and how their personnel affects their ability to run yeah, it? Yeah, it's a great question. And, and you know, they're a lot alike. They really are. I think where, uh, and I tried to explain this a few weeks ago, where, you know, the motions, the shifts, the stressing of defensive rules are, this is where their next level, Shanahan and, and you know, McDaniel. I think that the, the Dolphins do it a little bit more through the pass premise, right? right. We're going to pull the ball and fake it and ding, yeah. ding, boom, screens, quick pass over the middle, boom, boom, and two is just going to dish it out, where Shanahan does all the movements and same stuff that McDaniel does too, but he just goes, we're going to do it so I can get McCaffrey up the middle for sure. 10, and then 12, and then 10, and then he'll cut it back and get 70, or, and then we'll fake it to him, and then I'll hit Debo over the middle, or George Kittle, he'll be wide open. So that's how they do it. So I think McDaniel and them do it the opposite way. They go, hey, Tua and Waddle, Tua and Waddle, I yeah. mean, and Tyreek and Tyreek and Waddle and, and Waddle and Tyreek, and then you're going, oh my gosh, I've got to play past Stevens, and then he goes, Mozart up the middle, Mozart right. on the edge. Yeah. So Cracked off. It's just like, a little yeah. bit way of a different approach as far as how they attack you because of their personnel set. And the 49ers have a more of an advantage in the run game thing because their O-line is physical, and that's the way they are. The one thing I worry about with the Dolphins, and you saw it on Monday night, yeah. is if the game gets grimy and ugly, their O-line gets overpowered. Right, And that's what I worry about. The Titans basically said, we're not going to let you throw the ball the other night, and we'll break it down here in a second. And they were outnumbered in the box in the running game almost the whole game. And, you know, 158 yards rushing, right, I, by Miami, that's a good number. I get that. But I think when you take into account that, like, the Tennessee Titans played pass coverage the whole night and basically like did some things where they were like, we're not even sound here and we don't even have people in the run gap, but we just think our front four will be able to do good enough to where you won't totally expose us in the run game. That was a win for the, my, uh, the Tennessee Titans. And that's what does worry me about the Dolphins going forward against some of the upper tier type of football teams. And now their offensive line depth is being tested. Worse, right? Yeah. Connor I mean, Williams. Yeah, uh, he's yeah. out for the year. Right. I mean, they've already been down. It's the Robert weakest Hunt, part of their yeah, So and- now you're having to deal with that without right. a doubt yeah. uh, a funny tweet from deandre hopkins saying tyree kill for mvp give praise when it's due i say it's funny but it's also in all seriousness watching this offense without him the other night you can legitimately make the case that he is the most valuable player in the league. He won't win the award. I, I mean, probably but. not. But, I, I, I mean, listen, I've been banging the table for this for the last five weeks. I, 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 why? Why can't he win the award? We all sit here every week, and in the grand scheme of things, the whole NFL, we talk about Tyree Kill, the individual, more than any other player in all of football. Every week, all season long. The offense is doing revolutionary things, and in the main driving force is him. 
So that's where, like, I'm trying to break barriers here a little bit and stop this. The quarterback just right. gets it no matter what. That, that's got to end. I just don't understand that. And that's where I inject, you know, McCaffrey or Tyree Kill, I think deserve to be in the conversation because the offenses run through them in both places. This is different than, like, you know, Kansas City where the offenses run through Mahomes and always has been, right? This is like, no, we have some other guys, and then the quarterback just wheels and deals off of that. And, those, you know, they deserve to be in the conversation. I'm with that. But, I, yes, I mean, Tyree Kill, nobody affects – their own offense more than he does. Nobody affects any defense and how they play the Miami Dolphins offense more than Tyree Kill, right? And we're going to get into a minute. I'm going to show you some yeah. pictures and some things that the Tennessee Titans did where it's a little disappointing the Dolphins didn't take advantage of it to where you go like, yeah, they're doing all this to stop Tyreek, and they're basically going, here, if you want this, you can have it because we can't stop everything, so we're just betting on that you won't do this, right? And we'll get it to it. But, yeah, I, I think for me, through this point of the year right now, and Dak Prescott's making a strong case right now uh, and right up there with him, I, like last week if you made me vote, I would have voted Tyreek Hill as the MVP of football. Let's jump into what the Titans D yeah. did right against them in that 28 to 27 win and it's time for inside the numbers powered by AWS the win probability chart from next gen stats according to the uh, NGS win probability model the Titans win probability was as low as 0.4 percent when they trailed the Dolphins 27 13 with three minutes and eight seconds left in regulation (laughs) I get it the win goes down as the (laughs) second most statistically improbable comeback in the next gen stats era the only recent one last year, week two, the Jets at the Browns. Joe Flacco led them to the improbable oh, the comeback. The kick and the yes, throw. And the, the failed the, coverage against the Corey Davis. not going Davis. out of bounds by Nick Chubb. Just a disaster. Right? Like two or three times the yep. Browns didn't go out of ba- or went out of bounds when they shouldn't have. And Garrett Wilson walks it off. But, yep. um, yeah, I mean, this is – it's just insane – how this game ended, and obviously one of the most improbable wins we've seen in a long time. They yeah. couldn't do crap. So I understand when they went down and make, you know, they 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 have the two turnovers late in the football game, you're going, well, their offense hasn't done shit since the first half, <laughs> yeah. basically. They had one ugly field goal drive, you know, in the second half. Other than that, you were going, well, damn, yeah, they messed it up. That's it. It's 28-13, and all of a sudden they look like a different offense the last two drives down the football field. And you get Miami into, oh, we don't want to give the big play up, and they change their scheme a little bit, trying to protect and make the team run out the clock a little bit. Uh, but then, yeah, Will Levis just, you know, again, continues to really, really impress and prove us all wrong who didn't have him ranked high as a, a draft uh, quarterback or eligible draft quarterback last year. But impressive win by the Titans. You know, Vrabel's a master at managing games, right? Managing the clock. I, you know, coming up with a game plan that certainly slowed down Miami. And then Miami, you know, the block field goal, the fumbling the snap of the five, they could never get the game on their terms, right. really except to the end of the football game. And, you know, that's when their defense kind of broke and and Will Levis went up and down the football field. That was Inside the Numbers, powered by AWS. But now it's time, Chris, to go Inside the Notebook. Let's take a look at the Titans' defense here, right? Well, so this, this this is a defense that they played throughout the night, okay? You don't see this. And I want everybody to check this out a little bit, okay? Because they did this time and time again, where there's three safeties deep, as you look like right yeah. here, right? They're playing, you know, a corner, number 21 here, 
Nickelback when they get an 11 personnel as the weak side linebacker and the weak side corner, basically, right? 21's a, uh, so, so, so you got like Sean Murphy bunting, number zero, right on the top right there. He's actually the corner, but they're using him as the weak side two deep safety. They're playing Tampa two here. So they were lining up in this three across typo look, and you're going, what kind of defense is this? I don't really understand it, right? And then, okay, we got seven guys in the box, sure. But within doing that, there was nobody out over Waddle, right? And you could also, if you play actioned or ran 30 into the flat or anything like that, you could run the ball a week because 21 had to worry about getting to the flat yeah. to be the cover two corner, right? So unusual alignment. But again, what we talk about sometimes with these great offenses is you're going to have to cheat something and take a tactical chance or risk. And this is what they did throughout the night, right? And in different formations too – and I don't understand why the Dolphins, they could have thrown a 5 or a 10-yard out to Jalen Waddle the whole football yeah, game. Yeah, let's look at that. I mean, here you go. Look at this right here. This is one play for you. All right, This is 21 personnel. Right. Look at Waddle down here. He has a corner that's 12 yards off of him and Sean Murphy bunting. Right, and he runs four three, and he runs four three, and he's in a tight slot, and then you see McCreary, uh, that's McCreary, right? Yeah, twenty one. Yep, McCreary, he's over there as the weak side linebacker, but he's really playing weak side corner. Right, he's there to just go, hey, we're here for the run game, but I'm not really here for the run game. Right, I'm just here as a presence and a number to check. So, my point is, and I could have shown you twenty screenshots like this where I'd go. Wow! All you have to do is fake a run, and he could just go like that right there. Just run four yards, and I'll hit you and turn around. You'll be one-on-one with Murphy Butting. Fake the run, run a five-yard out. I'm going to throw it to you because 21, if you fake the run at him, McCreary, he's got to respect it because he's actually responsible for that run gap too. They could have they gotten the Titans out of this defense if they just threw the ball to Waddle three or four times, they would have gone, oh, fuck, they figured it out. We got to get out. We got to do something else. Uh, and now they're not going to be able to maybe toy with Tyree Kill. But as you see, they have – and can you go back one picture, Pete, here? Sorry about that. It's just that, as you can see, they came to a determination through their numbers and their breakdown, Connor, where they must have gone, they don't throw the backside mm. guy very much. They don't, he, and in fact, when they do, he probably comes that way to the front side, right? So they were like, so what? And then they were probably also like, they don't throw out routes. So who cares? Mm. Their numbers don't show that. So let's take a risk here and see if they figure it out. And within that, you know, here you see there's four eligibles to a side here for the Miami Dolphins. And, you know, the Tennessee Titans got everybody over there and dropping in the zone. So it makes it for tight windows. And some of the plays and where they were designed for the first and second read weren't open because Miami, McDaniel, Tua let the Titans cheat. And I talk about this all the time on this podcast. Like, you gotta, you can't let defenses cheat and not, and not show them, hey, you can't do this. This isn't sound. Get them out of it. And yeah. Get them out of it. And I'm just shocked that Mike McDaniel and company let them stay in this so much during the night. Do you think there's a reason they're not challenging out without routes with Tua? I mean, I, I go back to the Black Friday game, the pick six he threw to Eccles when he tried to drive the ball to the sideline. And that's the second time Eccles has done that to right. him in his career. It's his Jets arm is weak. Fifth corner. Right. It's that's, below average. NFL starting it, arm when it's it comes kind to of that. an indictment here that they're not 
challenging yeah. that to get them out of it. They don't. It's they don't want to do that. They don't. You know, if he throws an out route, he wants to be able to throw one down the field where he can loft it up right. and kind of let Tyree go run and get it right. You know, which he did throw a few of those during the game. Yeah, where you know those cover two out routes where he'd get up on the safety and run like a twenty yard out route, and two has got great timing and feel, and he puts it out there in the right spot and he's accurate and all that. But I think your point's right. I think that one, the Dolphins don't like to do that. It's not in their scheme anyways. Two, two is not good at it. Three, you know, I know, the 49ers, the Dolphins, where do they like to throw the ball? Over the middle of Always. the fucking football field, yeah. right? Always. You know? And to me, that's they got to watch for stuff like that because teams are going to cheat and do stuff because you just can't stop all that they do. And that was, you know, yeah, uh, um, uh, a little disappointing that they didn't take advantage of, of the opportunity there to get what I mean, again, you know, little run fake, throw a five-yard out route to Waddle. He's going to be one-on-one with Sean Murphy bunting all night long, who's a phenomenal player, don't get me wrong. But still, I would like Waddle or Tyreek in those instances on the 10-yard out route, you know, to make something happen more times than not. This from Graham Taylor. I know it's not about offense, but can we get a damn okay for Harold Landry? Was a force on Monday night and looks like he's back to form after his injury. He's close. He really is. That's scary you know, thought. He's not starting yet, so that tells you he's not totally back. But it's I coming. Mean, it's coming. Yeah. You know, I, I still think you could see a little bit of reluctance to like really plant that leg in the ground and turn the corner like you used to. Right. But it's all getting better. He's a phenomenal football player. And listen, the Titans, you know, uh, Al Shair, Murphy Bunting, Danico Autry, um, Amani Hooker, right? Uh, and, and, of course, Harold Landry, especially towards the end of the game. I mean, they really showed out and played big-time football and popped a lot as I was watching this film. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. NetCredit is here to say yes, because you're more than a credit score. Apply in minutes and get a decision as soon as the same day. Loans offered by NetCredit or lending partner banks and serviced by NetCredit. Application subject to review and approval. Learn more at netcredit.com slash partners. NetCredit, credit to the people. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader. All right, let's jump to the next tier. Be aggressive. Be aggressive. aggressive. Cowboys, Packers, Jaguars, Saints in this one, Chris. We have to start with the Cowboys. Not that long ago, you brought up how Dak deserves to be in that MVP picture right now with Tyreek and with McCaffrey. Our first question on the Cowboys here from Honald Blake. How much better was the Cowboys? How much better has the Cowboys offense gotten during the season? Don't remember a play caller switching up so drastically in pre-snap movement and creativity. Credit to Mike McCarthy. Credit to Mike McCarthy. Yeah, it's a big change. I mean, I got on him in week five. Hard. I said it's too basic. It's the shortest passing game in football, and they just line up in it. So when oh hey we're oh it's just this formation again oh it's this boring ass play again oh yeah and it's seven yards or shorter 
I mean, you're not going to beat the good defenses in football playing that way. That's why they got stomped by the 49ers. Right. The 49ers are like, we know where they're going to be. We get to come downhill the whole game. And, you know, we've seen a lot of these plays in our first week of OTAs. Like, that's how basic it was. So, like, phenomenal adjustment by the Dallas Cowboys. The motion, the movement has all gone up. And I think the biggest thing is just the aggressive nature of the passing game. That's the biggest thing. I don't sit here and go, oh, wow, this is McDaniel or Shanahan or whatever here. But I just go, wow, they're attacking. They attack now always. And they should. They can protect phenomenal. Dak can stand in there and throw the ball down the field at a phenomenally high level. And then they got the receivers to go along with that, right? So you look at it from that aspect, they were leaving potential on the field by this five-yard slant, six-yard hitch route, right? And I give Mike McCarthy a lot of credit for making that adjustment. So how did Dak carve up the Eagles? I know we have some screenshots we're going to dive into here for this one. What did he do in this game for an Eagles secondary that's been very vulnerable this year? Very vulnerable this year. It's a game where, and and if you see my notes that I wrote, they should have played more man-to-man. They should have, right? Um, The Eagles, to me, are a little too simple in the secondary. A little too like, oh, hey, this is what the coverage is. Quarterback, you know what we're in, right? They're a little bit too reliant on the Jimmies and the Joes right now. I wish they would disguise and change things up a little bit, right? That would be the first thing I would say. Now, I, this is a game where, you know, the secondary, I know statistically it, it doesn't look great, but I was more disappointed in the pass rush. Mm. I mean – Really, there was a number of plays early on in the game. I went, the Eagles are kind of all over their pass game. It's just when Dak has five and a half seconds to throw, I mean, I don't, you can't cover that long. Somebody's going to come open, right? So that, to me, was one of the biggest issues is that the, the Eagles' pass rush, when it was just the front four, had absolutely no chance to get after Dak Prescott. And I just can't believe that. And again, that goes into something I've been saying too, is that they get to trick it up up front to help out a little bit as well. Right? I mean, the 49ers don't just stand there with their four guys all the time and just go, you four go. They put Fred Warner in a gap here or there. They move three linemen to one side and one lineman on the other side. They give you different looks. The Dallas Cowboys, right? It's the best pass rush in football. Do they just go, hey, front four, you do it yourself? They got a million people at the line of scrimmage. They create advantages that, you know, that, that, uh, that, what do I want to say, prop up the pass rush to a greater level. Uh, and that to me was one of the, the concerning things about the Eagles in this football game. Yeah, offensive line numbers really stand out with them in this one. Do um, they? Yeah. I mean, yeah. it just seems like there wasn't a lot of pressure against the tackles. Tyron Smith got beat a couple times, but for hurries. Now he's not giving up quarterback hits and sacks. Yeah, I yeah, mean, right. And, and Tyron Smith's a guy that knows how to, you know, when to let people Just, drive exactly them out, right. run yeah, themselves no out of he's the He's getting the ball out of quick here. It, I, I ex- don't need to hold him forever. Exactly. Yeah, so he's a, he's a savvy veteran. All right, let's get to uh, the. There was a question here that I want to yeah, shout out. Yeah. You answered it already. Swish B said earlier in the year you mentioned you were not impressed with Dallas's attack on offense. Do you still feel the same? Obviously, you have changed your mind and seen Definitely. adjustments from McCarthy. Definitely. How about the Packers here in yeah. this? In this. Uh, well, in this tier? be aggressive tier, right? To me, and it's not that, but I got the Cowboys, the Packers, the Jaguars, and the Saints just to hit them on this be aggressive phase here. And the big thing to me is just when they're aggressive, their offense is great. 
That, that's what I say. You know, they have good meat and potatoes of their offense, but when they push the ball down the field, it opens up all the meat and potatoes and makes them a much dangerous football team. So that's where I say these are teams where I just go, they have to have a little emphasis on, wait, we got to remind ourselves to throw the ball down the field, maybe take a few shots, draw up a few plays in the dirt every week to do that, and it changes their offense drastically. And that's why I put these four teams in, in this area. So what was different for Jordan Love? against the Giants yeah well first off okay he threw the ball like shit yeah, all right yeah. so I Didn't mean think great. about early on in the football game right. how many fucking throws did he miss and they put this you know and Joe I mean Troy Aikman and Joe Buck they were all like hey he's off early on he's missing throws so that was the big thing you know the other you know I love their offense they do a lot you know, there was some plays and things to be had there early in the game where they could have got the Giants into a game they didn't want to play, but he didn't take advantage of it. Jordan Love, the one thing, I love all his arm angles. He's fearless in the pocket. His ability to throw off the back foot with pressure and all that is awesome. But when there's no pressure, we don't have to throw off the back foot and do this sidearm flick. Right, it doesn't work in the elements like we had in the Northeast here on on Monday yeah, night. That MetLife wind is different. It was cold yeah. and windy here. You need to get your feet underneath you, step into throws, and throw lasers through it. And he started to do that at the end of the football game, but too many of the throws early on were let me hang back there and kind of flick sure. it, and the the wind blew it up. And he didn't have the same accuracy that we have seen over the last month. So that was the issue, but. Generally, over the last month, the Packers have been extremely aggressive, tons of movement, motions, shifts, all that. And to me, it unlocked Jordan Love and their offense and made them much more dangerous, even though Monday night didn't show that. To me, it's something I wanted to ask you about. Yeah. It seems like Love's really impressive stretch and when he got really hot coincided with a healthy Christian Watson. Yeah, I think so, too. And then no Christian Watson against the Giants. What impact? Because it feels like when he's out, the Packers play six wide receivers. Like There's just a million guys getting targets. But when he's out, this is a noticeably different offense. Watson's special. Right. You know, he's, he's big and he can fly. Like, he's one of those guys that you'd go, other than Tyreek Hill, if you put every all the receivers in football in a race, you'd go, he might be one of the guys that wins it, right? If you take Tyreek Hill out of the race. I think he's at least in that conversation of guys. And, yeah, he changes their offense. He's the guy that, like, if it's one-on-one, we're going to him. And he's the guy, too, a little bit like Tyreek. When he's on the field, teams go, ooh, we can't play this coverage. we got to do this because we got to protect against him. He can run by all our guys. And it opens up other stuff within their offense. And that is, I mean, y- your point is real. It cannot be under-talked about, or what do I want to say? I don't know what understated? I want to say. Understated. Yeah. Thank you very much. Enough that his importance to that offense and, and everything that Jordan loved, the run game, the reverses, all of that work at a higher level when Watson's on the field. So the Jags and Saints also in this bucket. Yeah, and we've both, seen the Jags been right. doing this lately, and yeah. that's why they've been a little bit better on the offensive side of the ball. They've been attacking down the field, and I think it's opened them up and made them more dangerous. You know, now I mean, lately, it's just the Jaguars' defense has fall, fallen apart here in front of our eyes. So I think – a, a weird one, but I think people do wonder this. The Saints, yeah, w- the status of Derek Carr, he's no. had every injury under the sun right. this year. Right? Would they be better with Jameis, or do you think that ship is sailed? Because Jameis is a guy that will play to this tier. Like you want to talk about being aggressive, I we know. know Jameis will let it go. I, I, I mean, there's. I wonder. Right. I do. I, I definitely has that 
thought crept into my brain a few times over the last, you know, six or seven weeks? Definitely. Are there games and plays when I watch the Saints and go, Derek Carr was way too conservative. There was plays down the field. What's he looking at? Why did he check it down so early, right? There's a lot of that. So, yes, that's the problem. And, yeah, with the Saints, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's more Derek Carr-ish than the offense itself that I just go, man, come on, just, you know, hang in there, have a little bit of a different mindset and fire it a little bit instead of, like, you know, I don't know, managing the game, being a little too careful. Uh, I think he's making it harder on himself in that offense than, they, than he needs to. And their personnel, I know Shahid's been hurt, but when healthy, their personnel, they can – play that attacking Definitely. down the field. That's, That's the frustrating where the part disappointing. of it. Right. Exactly uh, Noah right. Lave could do it. You exactly. know, she could do it. Exactly. Even the big 17, A.T. Perry. Yes. I mean, he's a little bit of a threat down the football field. I mean, yeah. Go up and give him a chance. Exactly. Yeah. That's where I, you know, you know, yes, that's uh, all year I've been like, uh, the Saints. Right. Uh, there's no way they there should be this boring or unex, uh, you know, in a, or unexplosive as they are with this group of guys that you just mentioned. Our next one, a personal favorite, run the damn ball. Run the damn ball. Run the damn ball. The Ravens, Eagles, Falcons, and Browns. I think the average football fan could have guessed those four teams <laughs> right? in this bucket when you look at on the season the Ravens first in rush yards per game the Eagles uh eighth the Falcons sixth the Browns seventh right here so Chris I mean let's start with Baltimore and we have a question on Baltimore from Cojam 13 how much change do you expect for the Ravens O-line this offseason to match Todd Munkin's scheme it seems like the biggest difficulty in the transition is a lot of the line from the previous regime doesn't quite fit into the new one. We know with Greg Roman how run-heavy they were. With Munkin, it feels like they can still run the ball, obviously, but they also will attack down the field now. Yeah, they definitely will. I I don't know if the personnel up front needs to change a whole lot. I think they just need to stay healthy. Mm, That's how I look at it. I think they're good enough to make any adjustment, you know, that you seem that that they necessary or seems necessary. I don't think that's the the issue, at least, you know, in my assessment. I think a little bit is just is all of it put together is just that, hey, the offense is learning. The players are learning a new offense and a new scheme. Munkin's learning his personnel a little bit. You know, Munkin's learning. I think you know he had to learn some of their run plays and go. Wait, wait, I, I, I yeah, they, they've been awesome at running the football here. Uh, I don't do these all the time, but let me start to learn how you do it so I can incorporate in my offense because it's a good thing. I don't want to just lose this. So I think that's the big thing, you know. And then of course when you add on Lamar and his ability to keep the ball and run off of that, I think they're just a little bit still tinkering with all of it, right? But when they are at their best is when they run the ball effectively. Whether that's and I don't mean Lamar scrambles, I mean true running the football, you know, with the running backs, Gus Edwards, Mitchell, design run by Lamar every now and then. When they do that and the way Lamar's throwing the ball, they're gonna be unstoppable if they can just get that going because it's gonna be too hard to match up with all the guys they got in Lamar's right arm. So that's where I wanted to go next. Yeah. The Ravens and the Eagles, both quarterbacks are a massive part of yeah. those rushing attacks. Right. Both off script but designed, yes. like you said. Right. The Falcons and the Browns, not so much at not all. Not at all. What does it do for an offense when a quarterback can be a legitimate running back in your scheme? It gives you just numbers advantages all the time, right? And it can affect coverages and and that's the biggest thing 
right? You know, when Lamar and, and Jalen Hurts and that running game are all encompassing, working at all levels, right? They get looks in the pass game where you just go, quarterbacks would lick their chops and go, oh my God, they're going to play like this on second and eight because they're so worried about our run and everything we do. Like, I'm getting this coverage against this play. Oh my gosh, this is going to be fun here, right? That's what it really does. That's the big thing. But the big thing is you got to be able to, that's where like, like the the Ravens are the number one running team in football right now, right? I believe they are. Okay. But but to me, I would go, it's still not on the level of the 49ers, in my opinion. The 49ers are getting no rushing production out of their quarterback, right? You know, uh, they run it the traditional way, and you've got to bend to, oh, that, right? Right now, in Philadelphia and in Baltimore, there's too many, there's not enough of the traditional running. There's a little bit too much of the Lamar scramble and the Jalen Hurts scramble that's adding to that, and I would like to see less of that and more of the traditional run with the quarterback design run with it. That's when they work and hit on all cylinders on on both of those offenses. So this one on the Eagles from Truth Matters 233. Is Brian Johnson really calling the plays, or is it Sirianni? I think it's Sirianni. He's heavily involved in the design and the game plan. The route trees are horrible, and so is the lack of motion. I, I don't disagree. This is, you know, you've been listening, you know, at, at Truth Matters 233. You've been listening to the pod. Hopefully you've been hearing me say this. Uh, you know, I don't think Sirianni's calling the plays. Sure, he's got his finger in, in what they're calling as far as the game plan during the week and all of that. But bottom line is I think he needs to get involved more. I do. You know, it's, again, this is Brian Johnson. He's never called plays in the NFL, and this is not disrespect to him. And he's primarily got a college background, you know, and I don't think you know, he's learned on the fly, too. He is. Let alone the plays are too basic to the point of the route tree is horrible and the lack of motion. Yeah, the plays are too basic, almost like their defense. It's too reliant on the Jimmys and the Joes, and the X's and the O's need to be picked up. Their run game, uh, I mean, it's elementary. Again, they, they are the best offensive line in football. It's not close. But I don't care. If you only have two running plays, you're not, going to be very, you're not going to be the best running team in football. They have like two running plays. And I'm not joking. Like it is a very limited Rolodex of plays they go to the run game. It's not going to get it done against the good defenses in football. Last year, you know, with Shane Steichen as OC, they had so many different runs and wrinkles off the run that – Look at the Colts right now. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, with not even nearly the same personnel. No. They've and been I mean, missing last Jonathan year, Taylor most of the year. There was points of the year, and this is where my thought came out, and, and I'll get to it in a second. And like, there was, I was like, you can't stop this offense. Like last year, there was, I was literally like, there's nothing – you can't stop them. You're going to have to gamble and do some crazy shit. That's where I got into, you know, Steve Spagnolo and going with the Dolphins and the Eagles last year. I just went, you got to take chances and go, like, you're going to laugh to yourself and go, I can't believe I'm calling this defense right now, but there's no way you could stop all of the stuff they do. That is not the case this year. It's simple, pass game, run game. And then I think when you add that into the players are pressing, Jalen Hurts isn't playing his best, A.J. Brown, you know, fumbled, Devontae Smith fumbled. They're trying to make plays with their pure ability. It's, it's leading to, you know, less than performances right now by the Philadelphia Eagles. I think another issue too, Chris, yeah. is how predictable they've become by their personnel in the backfield. Sure. When Swift is out there, He's either running the ball or he's a non-factor. They don't get him involved in the pass game anymore. And when Gainwell's out there, he's the guy that gets the touches. There's no balance of, well, this guy can run and be involved in the pass game. So it goes back to your point about the predictability of the run game play calls. Very much. Very much so. They're... 
You know, I know they're still one of the top offenses in football, uh, and they should be. Well, look at the talent. I know, but they <laughs> should be more dominant. Right. To, you know, I mean, again, we, you know, we've broken it down many times. It's the best O-line in football, right? I mean, the 49ers couldn't get within 10 feet of Jalen Hurts. And they just need to help these guys out a little bit and give them some advantage. It's the best duo of receiver in football. If it's not the best, it's top two or three. The tight end's damn good. The running backs are pretty damn good. I mean, we know the quarterback, right? There's no excuse for them to be struggling the way they are on the offensive side of the ball. To be, you know, top ten is good, but it's not good for the Eagles. It should be top five for sure. And the defense should be top 10 at the very worst, and it's 22nd. And that's, like, inexcusable for the talent they have on that side of the ball. Between the pylons had a Falcons question. I know Chris doesn't care about stats, but I would love to hear his thoughts on Arthur Smith's offense and his refusal to feature star players. Three years of top 10 picks on elite offensive weapons that are underutilized. Well, yes. And they finally had a good week, by the way, all I, three I, of them. Yeah, right, right. No, I mean, listen, I understand that. I think there's some things that play into that, right? Um one, the quarterback, you know, trustworthiness, right? I don't think that's been there to where they can just open up the offense. And, again, he's growing in some areas. Like, and, again, last week there was a lot of good throws and things he did that were wow. But he had those two or three plays where you were like, what the fuck are you doing, <laughs> right? And those two or three plays lost him the game. Yeah. Throw an interception on a screen pass, hold the ball too long in the end zone, get strip sack, safety. You know, th- that, was, that was the game. So, you know, I think there's that aspect. I think the other aspect is we talked about this with Drake London when he came out. He's not a separation guy, right? He's a really good receiver. I don't think he's your bona fide just number one superstar. I, you know, he can be a number one, but then across from him, you need a really good two who can fly. That's what I would say, right? The guy that can take a top off, open the field up, and now he can run routes and use his body and work. When he's the main go-to guy and offenses know that, and I mean defenses know that and all that, yeah, he's not going to separate and burn people and do all that. And I think, you know, a little bit of that with Pitts as well, all right? It's just that he's a tight end. And they have a quarterback who's not going to slam it in there to tight windows all the time. They need some other things that take pressure off of those two guys to get them open would be my assessment. The, what you're talking about with Drake London kind of reminds me of when you look at the Chargers. Mike Williams is great. Yeah. He's obviously out for the year. But yeah. having Keenan Allen out there, who's different, not saying they have that burner, yeah. but they're both so good that they benefit from one another. And Drake London doesn't have that other guy. No, no. And, and, and like to your point, like, He's he's almost like a blend of the two guys you just mentioned. Yeah. He's got the Mike Williams size, but he's actually a great route runner like Keenan sure. Allen and does all that. I don't think he's quite as fast as Mike Williams going down the field, right? But he's, he's a contested catch. But guy the all route the way. running's better yeah. than Mike Williams yeah. and on there on, on a Keenan Allen type of thing to where yeah, I kind of look at Drake London and go, he's not the guy I would always want outside and go, "Oh, it's man to man, we're going to him." I go, I'd like to have him in the slot and him run routes and use his body and shield people off and catch the ball over the middle and take a shot and break a tackle. I almost look at him like that kind of guy, like a Michael Thomas-ish in his prime more than the burner on the outside. Our last question in the run the damn ball tier from Ted J. Rowland. Which offensive scheme is most improved midseason? Would it be a team like the Browns finding their groove with a strong offensive line? a selection of talented backs and receivers. Well, I, I, they're, they're doing a great job of managing the offense without a superstar quarterback. They still got to run the damn ball because 
I don't think they can realistically be what they want to be if they're going to be asking Joe Flacco to throw the ball 45-plus times. Right? Yeah, is this an anomaly? Like, this right? is just crazy. It is. Yeah. And I would say, even like watching the Jaguars film, and I, I wrote a few notes on that too, the Jaguars like went overboard on run defense where you were just like, listen, this isn't like a rookie quarterback who can't throw. <laughs> I mean, you can't play, be that aggressive to stop the run and think Joe's not going to hit a wide-open 12-yard curl route. I mean, it's not that like, what are we doing there? So they overplayed it a little bit, but um, you know the fact that they can rely on the drop back pass game with a guy like Flacco is important. You know, and then their their screen game is improved and their play action passes improved. Right early in the game last week, and I said this on Sunday night, and I confirmed it when I went back and watched it. I mean, I mean, early in the game they just killed the Jags with play action passes, and people were wide open, and they've done a really good job that way. But I put them in that pound the rock, run the damn ball category because that's what they are best at. I know they got some O line injuries, and that stinks, and that hurts them there. But I don't think it's realistic to think Flacco forty mid forties passing the ball is going to be a recipe for success consistently. And we have some screenshots of that touchdown to David Bell on fourth and three as well. Right. I mean, play of the game, really, you kind of felt like it was 21-14, and you kind of feel like, man, if the Jags stop them here, they kind of had the momentum. It's an all-out blitz, fourth and three. Now, you see their three DBs. Yeah, right. You see the three (laughs) DBs at top, right? So what they're doing here, Connor, is I can't see – I forget who the point guy is. Um, but the point guy is going to take the point guy of the bunch receivers on the top right, right? They're, and then they're trying to play with Darius Williams and Rayshon Jenkins. They're trying to play in and out. Right. I got the first guy in. You got the first guy out. The problem is, all right, the point guy gets out of the way and both guys go in. <laughs> so now there's a mix-up of, wait, oh, wait, who do I got? And go ahead into the next screenshot, right? And this is how you beat the in-and-out coverage. If you send two guys outside or two guys inside, it makes it hard on them. So here they are going in, right? And Darius Williams takes the guy that keeps going in instead of just waiting for the guy, which is Bell, as you see him there. He is out outside of the short crosser, and he should take him. But he took the cheese of the outside guy going underneath, and he realizes it as the ball is being thrown. He stops, puts the brakes on, he slips and falls. Now David Bell's totally wide open. Touchdown Browns, biggest play of the game. But, uh, yeah, good job. Good game plan designing there. They obviously knew that that's what they do. The little in and out, you know, with yeah. the point man, man to man like that, and found a good way to schematically screw them over there. And Njoku had a touchdown on a bust as well. Exactly so right. It's, they came into this game and knew exactly how to confuse the back end of Jacksonville's definitely, defense. Definitely. Jacksonville's D's reeling right now. And yeah, I mean, Njoku, it's a third and one play action and goes uncovered. I mean, uncovered. Right, He's just he had both touchdowns were play action. Rayshon Jenkins, I believe, was responsible. The first one, the second one was a Lucan, I believe. Yeah, and they yeah ended up easy touchdowns for David Njoku. Net Credit is here to say yes to a personal loan or line of credit when other lenders say no. Apply in minutes and get a decision as soon as the same day. Loans offered by Net Credit or lending partner banks and serviced by Net Credit. Application subject to review and approval. Learn more at netcredit.com/partner. Net Credit, credit to the people. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We hit on the Eagles, Cowboys, and 49ers. How about the DraftKings odds for the NFC number one seed right now? No surprise here, Chris. The 49ers are the runaway favorite at minus 175. They have Arizona, Baltimore, Washington, and then the Rams as the Cowboys are uh, plus 800. They got Buffalo, Miami, Detroit, Washington a little tougher. The yeah, Eagles, that schedule is really the, what kills and them. Buffalo's here. a little hot right now and desperate, right. so that always that's scares right. you at Buffalo. Yep. With the Eagles, they have the Seahawks, Giants, Arizona, and Giants. So the Eagles are um, only plus 170 because, quite simply, Chris, they have a pretty friendly schedule exactly. there as well. Although the Gi- Giants aren't a gimme anymore. Well, they're, scra- they're scrappers. They are scrappy. They are. And they that are defense scrappy. and what they do, I, I mean, nothing's a given. And then we know, hey, the Eagles... You know, they've they've been one of those teams for whatever reason that have played down to their competition yeah. a little bit. The Washington game, right? Early in the I year. mean, they lost mm-hmm. to your Jets. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. people forget that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, no, they definitely have had some games like that where you just go, "Damn, they're better than them," and they're letting them hang around. Uh, they're going to get a last ditch effort from the Seattle Seahawks this week too, right? I mean, Seattle, it's like, oh shit, if we don't win tonight, we're in trouble. We're in trouble. Yeah, right. But um, yeah, that Cowboys schedule—that's why they're at plus eight hundred. That's that's real right there. That's a their next three games are as tough as anybody in football. Uh, my money would be on the 49ers, even though that Baltimore game on Christmas night is going to be a lot of fun, and that certainly will be a coin flip type of football game. Maybe a Super Bowl preview. Could we be. We'll right? see. I know. Don't forget on DraftKings Sportsbook this season, new customers can bet $5 in pocket, $150 in bonus bets instantly. Plus, all customers can get a no-sweat same-game parlay every day. Download the app and use the promo code UNBUTTONED when you sign up. DraftKings Draft Sportsbook. The, the crown is... Is yours. It's not. It's nice that you do the read with the. Yeah, we other do it host. together. That's yeah, really yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. on happy hour. We're, I'm just lone wolf. Yeah, that, they just. I just. They just, just throw me to the side and just. Yeah, you got it. Damn, that's yeah, that's messed up. Yeah, just, five days a week. Does does, does Barry throw you a little of that DraftKings coin? He's no, the, the crown is absolutely what not mine. What an asshole no. Barry is. <laughs> What it's, a jerk! Yeah, I'm gonna. Pete, I, Pete's got my back. I, I mean, DraftKings is probably paying Barry a million dollars, and he's making you do the read. <laughs> that, that's that's not right. How dare he? We'll continue with the offensive scheme tiers here. How about play action wizards? The Lions. Ben Johnson getting a lot of hype. Obviously, yeah, he, should, he will right. be back in the head coaching cycle yep. if he chooses to be. Uh, it's been a really nice debut year for Bobby Slowick and the Texans, Definitely. and then the Vikings on this list as well with what O'Connell's been able to do. So Chris. Let's start with the Lions here. This one from CJ Easterday. Where does Ben Johnson's scheme rank for you based on what you see on the tape, which is more impressive to you, his pass game or run game Ooh. concepts? He's really good at both. He really is. He's, you know, first off, where would he rank? He's, uh, to me, it's, it's, you know, when you talk about best offensive minds in the game, we've already hit on a few McDaniel, Shanahan, right? Um, 
Uh, McVeigh still got it. McVeigh does. Yeah. It's through a little bit of a different premise. You know, it's not as overly creative and wowing, but it's a formula that's tried and true, and he calls the right plays and knows how to package them all together. So you're exactly right about that. Shane Sykin, that was why I was blanking out. Kevin O'Connell in Minnesota. And Ben Johnson. That would be kind of my top-tier offenses of offensive play callers in, in football right now. So that's where he ranks. You know, I guess I would go probably his pass game is a little more creative than his run game. Run game creative, they do a lot of different things. It's really good. Uh, pass game, you know, they always have a few plays where I just go, whoa, that was cool, or right. wow, that was, you know, aggressive, or wow, that totally screwed the defense over. They're not afraid to run some trick plays and do stuff like that. So I think I'm probably more impressed with that. But, yeah, their play-action pass game is the key to their success. One, I mean, yeah, they need to run the ball. We know that, right? But they don't have nexus necessarily – you know, big-time explosive receivers down the field. They don't have a quarterback who has, like, a huge rocket arm, and he's not going to make plays off schedule. So play action is the way to work for him and them to get explosive plays. And, of course, he's not very good with people around him or having to move on the run either. And play action, oops, slows the pass rush down a lot of the times and allows him to step in to the ball and have a clean pocket around him that is, you know, preferable for a guy like Jared Goff. So you're a big fan of the Lions football team. And, yeah, their play-action pass uh, is is up there with anybody in the game. And I think his ability to adapt, you know, big-time draft picks, Jameer Gibbs and Sam Laporta, into the offense right away. Right away. We don't see that with rookie tight ends No, and if they can just get Jamison Williams going here on a consistent basis, because, I mean, you can see he's got speed and explosive ability. just got to be a little more consistent in getting the ball. I mean, damn, they'll be scary, fast, and dangerous on that side of the ball with some of those guys you mentioned already. So this one on the Texans as we stay in play-action Wizards from Tomas Pena. Despite the struggles against Salah's Jets, Bobby Slowick has been thriving in his first year as a play caller. What similarities and differences do you see between his scheme and Shanahan's? I, I don't think there's a lot of you know differences. I think it's it's basic Shanahan is what I would call it. It's not quite as creative and the motions and the, you know, Shanahan's such a master of, like, you always hear me say, like, oh, it's cool run to the left of McCaffrey, cool run to the left of McCaffrey, cool run to the left of McCaffrey. Oh, fake the run to McCaffrey, Debo went around the other edge. Oh, we faked it to McCaffrey, we faked it to Debo. Oh, we threw it to Kittle down the middle, (laughs) or Ayuk, right? That's where he's amazing. You know, and I, I think those things can come from Bobby Slowick. He's got a rookie quarterback. It's his first year, you know, and he's got some young weapons too. So he probably doesn't want to throw too much on their plate. But it's still what they do is their run game hasn't killed it. But you have to respect it because it is well thought out and well coached and pretty creative. And because of that, and the fact that they've stayed pretty patient with it in a lot of the games, that's what's helped C.J. Stroud. That's about as far as the managing of C.J. Stroud went. It's just like, hey, let's keep them thinking we're going to run because if he runs play action, he's going to strike and hit big passes down the football field. Uh, I haven't watched that film yet, the Texas Jets game. I'm hoping I'll get to that either tomorrow or Friday a little because I do want to check it out and just see what the Jets did to that Texans uh, offense a little bit. And, hey, the, the injuries, Nico getting hurt, Tank Dell not being in there. 
there. Dalton Schultz being difference. banged up. Yeah. This is a huge problem for the Texans here, but I love the offense and, and the trajectory it's going. I've heard Bobby Slowick a little in head coaching conversations, and I want to go, that's awesome, but don't do it, Bobby. It's your first year as a play right. caller. Let's get another year or two under our belt here, you know, yeah. and really show what you can do. May get another you know, free agent receiver to go with C.J. Stroud this offseason. And all of a sudden next year you might have a top, you know, offense in football and, you know, it could be even a better job that presents itself. So uh, that's what I would say there. But, yeah, I like what they're doing. Right. Outside of Tank Dell, all the skill player personnel they inherited. Yeah, exactly so, right. This offseason, go get one more of your guys. Exactly. Because the Tank Dell pick, I know he got oh, hurt, but, but look, he killed it. Tremendous. Killed it. Look, I mean, that offense without him against the Jets, nobody could run away from the Jets corners. Anybody. Nobody. No, I nobody at all. Right. Our last team, the Vikings here, he talked talked about O'Connell being, you know, highly regarded. It's it's been a season of uh really triumph for the Vikings. Just no Justin Jefferson for a large part of it. You lose Kirk Cousins. How does this offense find a way to stay competitive? I know. It's hopefully where Nick Mullins will come in, yeah. right? He's he's a better passer than Josh Jobs. He knows the offense better, too. That's kind of why I thought he would start last week. He's a play-action quarterback he's from, a, when from Shanahan, Shanahan was with him. Exactly yeah. right. So there's going to be a lot of things there. O'Connell, a little bit like McVeigh, in that you don't, when you watch it pre snap and all that, you don't go, oh, wow, this is amazing. But it's the right plays against the right coverages, and then it's the nuance and how he teaches the routes for certain coverages that expose the defense. And that's where he's really good. And, you know, play action wizards for a team that they don't even run the ball that well, but they still run play action out the wazoo because of, I think, the things we talked about. It helps protection. It opens up the field. It makes it easy for the quarterback to see down the field. Gives the receivers a little time to work downfield, and they got those type of guys. Uh, and they're almost like the opposite. They do play action pass to help out the run game a little bit. Hey, play action, play action, play action. We've hit you with Justin Jefferson and everybody ten times now. Now you're so worried about Ready that. Now run up the middle <laughs> yeah. for seven yards is very effective. So uh, that's where they're they're really good. And I would expect to see a better Vikings offense this week under Nick Mullins. So our next one managed to maximize Bengals, Colts, Broncos. Rams is this basically just doing the most with what they have I I think so that's basically what I'm saying it's head coaches who were coaching their asses off play callers right and have like found a formula in which hey it helps us win games we're not going to be the top offense in football or anything like that but you know I mean take the 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 Broncos for instance I mean every week is basically like Right now, we're going, hey, Russell's great. Russell's great. It's like 180 yards and two touchdowns and no interceptions, yeah. right? 35, 40 right. rushing yards. Don't do anything crazy yeah. early on. And then, hey, we'd like you to make a play or two at the end of the game to pull us through, right? That's basically what it is. So, yeah, to me, it's like unbelievable coaching, maximizing the offense and finding new ways and tinkering to make it as best it could possibly be. We had a question on those Broncos from Joshua Nichter. Does Sean Payton have the Broncos poised for a playoff run? Run first offense plus play action plus Russ and Sutton playing yard ball. Exactly right. That's what I'm talking about. It's run. It's conservative. It's a little boring at times. Their defense is playing awesome. I mean, awesome. They came to life. Right? After a Nobody can do start. shit against them right. now. <laughs> I know. So, you know, that, enables, that allows Sean to even sell that to, to, to Russell even more. It's, it's a little bit like their Seattle Seahawks days. Hey, we're going to play D. We're going to run the ball. You just take care of the ball. 
And then we need you to make like four or five plays a game just where it's like, hey, Russell, what a great throw or great job getting out of the pocket, backyard ball. And if you could do that, we can win the football game. And, you know, we've seen that more weeks than not, other than uh, two weeks ago when he threw the three fourth quarter interceptions against the Houston Texans. And he was on his way kind of doing the same thing that day, second half magical plays. Uh, you know, they've, they've stuck to the script and they've become a real pain in the ass. We talked earlier about how backup quarterbacks needing to play and yeah. how that can impact your scheme. This one from Cincy John at 1958. How did Zach Taylor change the scheme for Jake Browning, starting with getting the run game going? Yeah. Well, I only saw Chase Brown, by yes. the way, which I know you loved him pre-draft. Did they forget they had him? Uh, I, you know, he was he was banged up, and I guess they you know rookie. Right. Yeah. They didn't know if they could trust him or whatever <laughs> else, but they, they need him, right? Oh yeah. I mean, he's one of those guys again that you just go, he can do a lot of something with a little something. Right. right? It looks different. It did. And when Joe Mixon gets the he's ball, he's got a little more explosion yeah. and just acceleration and top end speed. You know, Joe Mixon's still a good player, but yeah, I don't think he's capable of going. 65 yards up the sideline like Brown did. Now, he, you know, he's got a little more maybe of a physical element and can run some people over. But I think the, the thing that I – watching back that game, you know, watching the Monday night game against the Jaguars, okay, one, hey, run game, toughness, certainly. And that seems to be a Cincinnati thing at the end of the year every year where it's like the last six or seven games, all of a sudden they start to figure out how to run the ball and become tough there. But – the, play, the, the movement of the motions has definitely gone up. And then way more play action, you know, especially this last week. I mean, the play action, I promise you, in almost every significant completion in the football game that Jake Browning threw was a play action pass. Everyone, including the 126 yards and screen passes that he threw. He threw 126 yards of screen passes to Brown and Mixon, and they were both off of play-action fakes where then he looked down the field and then comes back to them and hits them there. So that, to me, was the biggest thing there. They, uh, I looked at – when I turned on the film this week, I literally went, man, this almost has more of a 49ers – Dolphins feel to their attack than it did the Bengals that I'm used to with Joe Burrow and all of that. You know, he's a good thrower. He certainly is like Joe Burrow light and he understands the offense and all that. He still misses a few throws and this is why he's a backup quarterback, everybody. Before we go to Josh Dobbs land here and want to give him a hundred million guaranteed, right? There's still a few plays here every game that you go, well, he should have hit that. Now they've gotten away with that and that's good, but you know, they're doing a really good job Zach Taylor, um, uh, uh, Callahan, the offensive coordinator, of refinding a way to make this offense work and make the quarterback feel comfortable. 42.3% of Jake Browning's dropbacks were with play action that led all NFL starters last week. 17.4 yards Gosh, per attempt. Gosh, it felt like more those. than that. I would have thought it was even higher than that. all their effective plays were off I of it, guess like that's what it was. I guess you're right, right. Our other two teams in here, Chris, in Manage to Maximize, Colts and Rams, you've talked about both of them a little bit, but McVay and Sykin having really good years. Like, incredible. Yeah. I mean, incredible. Both of them have way exceeded expectations. You know, I mean, one, to hit on McVay real quick, you know, everybody, oh, yeah, he's offensive genius. But just like Shanahan, he's, he's going to stay with the run. He wants to run the ball. He wants play action, too. But where he's amazing 
and where he just tortures people is he finds all these ways to go, oh, here's Puka for six, here's Cooper for seven, here's Puka for six, and everybody goes, fucking A, I'm so sick of these fucking two running these little option routes and we can't cover them. Oh, boom, down the field for Atwell for 50. Oh, gosh, damn it, we bracketed Cooper on the underneath option route, and now Puka's running down the field for a 45-yard gain. That's kind of how he does it, right? So it's not as sexy as some of the other guys, but he's a master play caller, game plan designer, and how he ties plays together, right? He's got checks and balances is what I always call it. You overplay this too much, he's got something to check your ass and balance out your fucking defense, right? And that's where he's uh, very good in that department. Shane Steichen's got it all. He's got it all. Yeah. Run game is really creative. He's for real. He's really is. And the RPOs, uh, the read option RPOs where they do double, right? All of that is is top notch. And, you know, they're the only thing I say to them is just keep throwing the ball down the field a little bit so they can keep everything else open. Gardner Minshew, I think people know he doesn't have a big arm and they play for the intermediate, stop the run a little bit. If they throw the ball like they did a little like two weeks ago against the Titans where they took some shots, it just opens things up. Uh, but, man, phenomenal job by, by all these coaches right here. So the blueprint you've seen Steichen lay out this year gives you a lot of hope for Anthony Richardson I, next year. I mean, year. I think it's, yeah. it's just handmade for, for, for Richardson. He makes it easy for the quarterback. He plays through the run. He makes you defend that, right? And he has, you know, again, like all good play callers, when you start to overplay that or one aspect of his offense, like we were talking about with the Eagles last year, I used to go. Well, I used to go in games and go. Oh, if they if this team stops this, they're going to stop the Eagles. And then he'd come out with a play, and I go, <laughs> Oh shit, he's got that off of that this week. Oh fuck. Well, no, they can't do that to stop that if because that's going to be open all game. He's always got something like that. They're another team, a little more talent there. You know, maybe another receiver in the off season. You know, the quarterback back healthy and all that. Like, yeah, going to be dangerous. Our next and our second to last tier, basic with playmakers, the Seahawks and the Bucks. Here, Chris, we had a question from Mr. Scott Briggs. With existing weapons, a quarterback in Seattle will inherit next year. What scheme and what type of quarterback would maximize this talent? Yeah, the scheme to me is the biggest issue. That it really is. The offensive line plays into that, and that's where, you know, I do want to give an excuse for Shane Waldron and that their offensive line stinks. It's not yeah. very good. And they've dealt with a lot of injury early in the well, that's year. That's what I mean. They don't run the ball players. well. They don't yeah. protect all that well. So it's hard to be, you know, real effective. To me, the biggest thing is, yeah, they just got to be better up front. But, yeah, they have the type of – they could go a lot of different ways with the group they got there. I mean – Fan, those three receivers, Kenneth Walker and Charbonnet, I mean, that, that, that to me is what's exciting about the Seahawks in their future. Yeah, maybe Geno's not back. They get another quarterback to, to the, the question here. I understand that, and maybe that will because he certainly hasn't played his best. I know that. He's definitely missed throws this year that he did not miss last year. But, I mean, they're a team I look at and go, yeah, they could like play spread and kind of spread you out and fire it around the football field and be space and then go, oh, hey, here's Kenneth Walker. Now you got to stop this run game. Or do they get back to, wait, we're going to smash mouth, do that, run the football, play through the defense a little bit, That's and then Carroll's take deep way. shots down yeah. football. Right, which is what I would expect to see Pete Carroll do. That was my point, and thank you for buttoning up my thought for me. That's why I'm here. Yep. <laughs> the last one here in this tier, the Bucks. 
It's been a tough year for Chris Godwin. Yeah. Uh, Mike Evans is Mr. Thousand Yards, although yeah. he had a tough week. What have you seen from Baker and what this offense is trying to do? Yeah, it's to me, again, I, I think we can almost a little bit like the same thing, talk about the the offensive line a little bit. Oh, yeah. There's an issue there. So they don't have like a run game that they can regularly like rely on, right? You know, the pass game... It's solid, but I don't, again, don't look at it as going, oh, wow, this is reinventing the wheel. This is amazing. Well, I will say where it, it gives them a fighting chance is that they, they are aggressive and they can make some plays that way, right? I don't ever look at it sometimes and go, oh, that was well thought or that's cool. They're packaging that together. But between Baker's big right arm and him his aggressive mindset, and like you said, Evans there, you know, they can be three and out, three and out. Two-play 70-yard touchdown, three and out, three and out. Four-play 80-yard touchdown, right? They can do that. Um, So that's kind of what's a little frustrating with them in general. They ran the ball a little bit better with White last week. Maybe if they can get White involved in the pass game a little bit, the screen game, do all that, that can be another avenue to to open up some of their stuff. We'll see where it goes. But, yeah, a little underwhelming with the firepower they have. It's consistent that Todd Bowles, Pete Carroll, two coaches that want to be able to run the ball and play defense, and they fall into the basic but has playmakers. Well, and scheme. then you go like what I think is is crazy, yeah. And Dave Canales too. Pete says right. I mean, he was in Seattle, right? So yeah, what's crazy to me is like head coaches like that, and I want to be like Pete. You went to two Super Bowls. Your offensive line was phenomenal. Right. Like, why are we not investing in that a little bit more in Seattle over the last few years? And Tampa, kind of the same way. I want to go, you went to the Super Bowl and then lost the divisional playoff game and nobody could get within 10 feet of your fucking quarterback, right? Like, you know, why didn't we go that route a little bit more? I think that's surprised me with those those two head coaches. It fell off abruptly, especially yeah. in yeah. Tampa. Um, okay, so I lied. This is our second to last tier because we have a yeah. bonus tier. We have tier. a last tier. We that, have a last yeah. tier that's it's really a joke. It's funny. <laughs> but this is... This is the best name. This is also uh, funny. I don't know what the fuck we are, but our quarterbacks are awesome. The Bills and the Chiefs. That's right. I mean, I don't know. What more needs to be said? The Chiefs, I mean, they're still trying to figure out kind of what their identity is. They are run more, but they're still not a great running team. They got some screens and stuff that I like in their passing game that they've made a, a little bit of a staple there. But... I don't know. The game plan goes a little bit like week to week, wherever it goes. I, I, I don't know. You know, last week, again, they're a running team, but they didn't run it that much. They went back to let's throw the ball most of the time with Mahomes. So, and, you know, even in the games, they do run the ball really well. I go, damn, they can't run the ball in the end zone and win the games that way. Eagles, Green Bay, whatever. Like, oh, great stats, but you didn't fucking win the game through the run game. So that's what I worry about. You know, so yeah, that. And then the same thing with, I mean, the Bills. I mean, what are the Bills other than Josh Allen running around with his fucking hair on fire making plays, right? So, you know, it's a little bit of both. And, you know, I think both of them, Mahomes and Allen, have not played to their total capabilities because they're forcing things. They're feeling like they got to carry the squad. Mahomes is definitely getting a little into the, you know, trying to look for big plays and just go, hey, there's a six-yard completion here. Don't go crazy looking for the big plays like we did a few years ago and got caught up in that mix, right? Mess, that mess. And then I think Allen, the same thing. You know, it's, they've had moments of struggle, so he tries to force it to happen. Uh, but, but um, yeah, I, I think that's the big thing is, like, if pe- when people ask me, what are the identity of the Bills? I go, it's Josh Allen? And what are the identity of the Mahomes? I go, eh, 
Patrick Mahomes? I right. mean, I don't know exactly what you want to call the offense identity right now in a, as a whole. Let's look how Allen made it work against Kansas City. I think the story was, Chris, he was able to beat the blitz. I mean, when they blitzed Josh Allen, uh, which was on about 36.7% of his dropbacks, completion percentage almost at 65%, yards per attempt was up at 7. He throws the touchdown, no turnover. So we know what Allen can do when he's under pressure. Yeah, well, I mean, he, he's like he's like Mahomes. You're going to go like, do we want to blitz him? Are we sure? Because you're really rolling the dice, right? I mean, he makes one guy miss in the backfield. Now he buys a little time. You're compromised downfield. You blitz a lot of the times. Yeah, there's less people in the secondary. There's one-on-one matchups to be had. Watch out, right? There's all of that. The other thing they did that I think was interesting in the football game is they threw the ball to James Cook and a little bit because, hey, the Chiefs play man-to-man, so I think they looked at it and said, wait, he can beat linebackers. The other thing they did is the Chiefs usually with their blitz, right, force the running back to stay in. There was a number of plays in this game where Allen and the offensive line figured out how to pick up the blitz and still get the back out. And that screwed over the Chiefs, right, to where they were like, wait, he was supposed to stay in the block. Who the fuck's covering him now? He's running up the left sideline for a big game, right? And that, that's where uh, they burned uh, the, the Chiefs' defense a, a few times in the football game. Um, but, yeah, it was a fun, go- fun game to watch. They were controlling the football game early on. And, man, 14 to nothing, moving the ball, throws the ball across his body like he does. 27 Connor made a great play. I mean, he was way on the backside of the field, but hustled over just to get in the passing lane. And all of a sudden, he must have been like, oh, my gosh, he's about to throw to the guy here that I'm trying to run down, makes the interception. And that made, uh, that made the game very interesting from that point on. Big win from Allen, but there was one play that you saw on film, Chris, that he missed to Gabe Davis. Gabe Davis wasn't a factor at all in this one, uh, but a wide open in the fourth quarter with two minutes and 23 seconds. Two minutes, 23 seconds, right? And it's a they're trying to run the fake wide receiver screen, right? And then send the guys upfield. So right. he's going to pump the ball into the flat. To, like He's going to pump it to Diggs, who's at the inside of the three receivers here. He's like, hey, it's a bubble screen. Go, hey, it's Diggs. You want to cover him? And Allen looked to Dalton Kincaid, the outside guy. Instead of, you're supposed to read this play inside out. This is blitzed by the Chiefs. He's got exactly what he wants. And, yeah, misses an opportunity here for a touchdown, easy touchdown. That would have made life very hard in the Chiefs at the end and put them up by a touchdown. Instead, it's, it's, it becomes a gamble. And this is what we've seen from the, the, you know, the Bills a little bit this year and some of the losses is not that it's bad, but maybe not taking advantage of everything they had there. You know, whether it's Allen and the all-out blitz against the Eagles and he throws it one way and Gabe Davis drives, goes the other way, right? Well, here's the payback from Allen making the mistake on Gabe Davis. He misses them in a chance where they could have gone up seven. But uh, for the most part, to what you said earlier, when the Chiefs played coverages like this, blitzed or whatever, it was advantage Bills. It was. And that even goes for the Cook touchdown when he ran down the seam early on in the football game. That was a blitz zone that screwed them all up. Uh Bills did a few things in the game that that the with as complicated as the Chiefs are on the defensive side of the ball and all the things they do, it definitely confused them and they weren't quite sure how to defend it. Um, but but all in all, that's still a really good Chiefs defense. On the Chiefs side of things, from Luke Buck eighteen, what has changed in Kansas City now that Matt Nagy is the offensive coordinator rather than the enemy? The pass catchers are largely the same, <laughs> but the drop off seems huge. Yeah. Um, 
they're relatively the same. You know, your second best threat is still a rookie receiver. Um, I don't think you can forget, and I said this a little on Sunday, like Juju Smith-Schuster for their football team last year and McCall Hardman were veteran guys who had been there, right? And they did make a difference. Juju Smith-Schuster, everybody's got to remember, he did catch for 900-something yards receiving last year. It's not sexy, but he knew how to work the under. He was almost like a de facto tight end. You know, slot, big tight end, could kind of work there, the ins and outs, the ace, the 10-yard completions, do all of that. Veteran type of player, so can handle a lot of offense. Same for McCall Hardman, right? So those are two elements that I look at that, yeah, they don't have them. They've had to rely on younger guys this year. Uh, Valdez Scantling is not a guy you want to make your consistent go-to guy all the time. Sky Moore is really just a slot receiver, so that hurts them a little bit. Uh, and then I think you add on that they lost Eric Bieniemy. Eric Bieniemy was a fucking good coach. Yeah. I mean, their offense was more creative and had more answers last year under Bieniemy. That would be the big thing. And I think the other thing, too, is, and I've heard this from people in Kansas City, Bieniemy was the enforcer, and that's missed there, too. Right? He was the guy that kept Get everybody in check. No yeah. excuses. Fuck you. Let's go out here. Keep your cool. we got to go out here and win the game right here. Whatever. I don't think they have that there either. So I think when you take all of that into account, that's kind of uh, the issues the Chiefs have this year. You brought up Juju. He caught 47 first downs for them last year. There. This year, Kelsey has 48, but that's a given. The next guy, Rasheed Rice with 32. Yeah. See, that's, that's, that's they're, a lot. They're missing, they're they're missing, missing another that change just, mover. Right. It doesn't need to be... 80 yards and a – but, the, yeah, all the first downs Juju gave him. That's exactly the way to say it. You know, all the first downs or all the eight-yard catches he had on yeah, first down to that. make it second and two, and now we can run it or throw it deep or throw some crazy gadget play at you. They, they're, they're missing that aspect of the offense for sure. Our last one here, it technically is a tier. Stinks and not changing the Steelers, Chris, and just the Steelers. Dr. Stanley Goodspeed asked, why is the Steelers' offensive scheme the worst? It is the worst. Uh, you know, And again, these are all teams that are playoff, right? Playoff conversation teams. We, you know, I think we all know that the Carolina and New England could probably be, you know, in the stinks and not changing category, but we're not worried about that. It's just that I don't really know what the Steelers' offense is trying to accomplish more times than not. You know, talk about identity, right? You know, I, I don't know what it is. I don't ever see tying a place together. I don't ever see, ooh, they're doing this to set up this later on in the football game. The pass concepts couldn't be more fucking basic and bland. The run game ain't that all that creative either. The O-line is solid. I think it's going in the right direction, but not so great that it can just road grade you and dominate that way, right? Quarterback play ain't that great either. Listen, you know, all the things that I worried about with Kenny Pickett coming out in that draft, this is what you're starting to hear out of Pittsburgh and their fan base a little bit. He doesn't do anything special, right? You know, he's not a high-level thrower of the football. You know, and I think, gosh, what was that, Thursday night, right? Kirk Herbstreit and Al Michaels, they were letting you know, like, yeah, they got a decision to make on Kenny Pickett. They're not just pulling that out of their ass right. and saying that on Thursday night. They talked to people. They talked to people in Pittsburgh. They were like, yeah, we're a little underwhelmed with this play. We're not sure if he's the quarterback of the future or not, right? That was the weird thing about that draft class. I love Corral's talent, but I knew it was raw. I love Malik's talent, but it was really fucking raw. Yeah. I liked Kenny Pickett's 
quarterback play, but I didn't like his talent, right? So that was a weird one, and uh, we'll see where it goes as far as the quarterback of the Steelers. And he was the only first-round guy. I know. No second-round guy. Right. So right. when it comes down to it, it's you know that class is going kind of how people would thought, unfortunately. Uh, yeah, no doubt about it. It's no unfortunate. Doubt. All right, this is a pop culture quiz uh, from Pete. Pete Ooh. needs to know this. The question was from Dr. Stanley Goodspeed. Pete asked, what epic movie is Dr. Stanley Goodspeed the hero of? I looked it up. I haven't seen it. Gosh. But I know the answer. I have not seen it. No. It's from the <sighs> 60s. Oh. Oh, it's... It's from the... Ni- Pete's saying the 90s. Oh, no, you're, you're right. Ni- 96. 96. That's 96. my bad. 96. And it's a di- is it a Disney movie? No. No. no action I- movie. Doctor- thriller. Hold on. Dr. Stanley... You've probably seen this. Gosh. I feel like I know this, and it's an action theory. Is a big star in it? Yes. The cast is the cast is pretty serious. Is it Last Action Hero? I don't even know. What is it? The Rock. The Rock oh, with Sean Connery Rock. and Ed Harris. Damn. Yes, I would not have pulled that out, but uh, that was a good movie. No, oh, I've seen it. It's good. It yeah. is a good movie. I mean, to be well, fair, was I was, born I was four or five. I don't think I'd be allowed to watch The Rock when I was four. Yeah. All so. right. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. Pete. We're old, Pete. These guys are just being born with the things we think are classics. So oh, we'll get him on it. We'll get him on I, it. He'll get there. I, I do my homework when I come on this show. You do. I, I always do. You do. So. You always do your homework. We don't. You don't need to watch movies. I and, watched uh, Half Baked this summer. Hey, look at you. That's my guy right there. It was phenomenal. Right. So. At least you watch movies. My regular host, you know, he has a swearing problem and he doesn't, doesn't watch, watch movies. movies. Nothing. What, like does, he, knows what does he do to decompress? We would all like to know what he <laughs> That's does. Scary. I don't know. I think he I just works. Know. I mean, he does work a lot. But damn, he's either driving his wife crazy or doing something <laughs> crazy we don't know about in his free time, right? So yeah, uh, we each got our own things. Yeah, I know, right? Oh, I love One Robert. day we'll figure it out. All right, everybody. I hope you enjoyed the pod. Did it a little different way today, but I actually liked it. It was fun doing this little offensive breakdown and putting them in tears. Connor, you the man as always. Dude, thank you. Appreciate you driving the ship. Oh, anytime. Always love, uh, being love here. your insight and love when you host. You the man. Everybody, you know where to find us. Hit me up on social media tomorrow. I got the Peaks, uh, Picks Pod with Florio. PFTPM Chris Sims Unbutton collaboration. That'll be dropping somewhere late morning, early afternoon. Uh, All be good out there. Enjoy Thursday Night Football. Have a good weekend. Peace out. Clap it up. NetCredit is here to say yes because you're more than a credit score. Apply in minutes and get a decision as soon as the same day. Loans offered by NetCredit or lending partner banks and serviced by NetCredit. Application subject to review and approval. Learn more at netcredit.com slash partners. NetCredit. Credit to the people. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. Like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on AutoTrader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.